All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to me, clean up dog puke. (laughs) This happened like seconds before we started recording. Okay, here we go. I'm good. Frank, you good? You all right, buddy? This is more of like a real life start to a podcast. Good Lord. You might need a a little ginger ale there to take care of the (laughs) company. Well, I'll tell you, Frank was eating a lot of snow in the walk. I just took a moment before we started recording. The world's his snow cone right now, and it is delicious. Welcome to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 120. I'm Bag Milk here with Rick, Nation Dan, and Tyler Uremchuk. Gentlemen, we have hockey games to talk about. Very, very exciting. But first, I want to talk about our friends at Sherwood Ford at the Giant of Sherwood Park, Alberta, for making this all possible. It is time, despite the nice weather, to winterize your vehicle, be it an oil change, New tires, maybe a new whip entirely. Again, I'm still hopeful that our friends at Sherwood Ford, they couldn't get the 1987 Ford Escort GT. That's fine. However, brand new Broncos, all four of us would look sweet driving a brand new Bronco. I'm just putting it out there. Great convoy on the Hyundai. Great marketing idea. Could you imagine if we did a convoy on the Hyundai and we we just looped the city over and over again? It'd be wonderful. Magic. Game day magic. We could show, we could, we could do like, we could have like bets over who's going to run out of gas first. It'd be perfect. None of us. The fuel economy and the new Broncos are excellent, I assume. <laughs> uh, follow Sherwood Ford on Twitter at Sherwood Ford on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. As we like to do around these parts, we start off the podcast with a brand new Sherwood Ford giant question of the week. Mr. Uremchuk? Yes. After two games, and they were, I mean, Pretty much on opposite ends of the spectrum for Oilers fans. But after two games, I asked everyone for exactly three words to describe the Oilers' first two games of the season. Threw it out. We got some good answers on social media and all of that stuff. We'll get to those. But uh, that's the short for giant question. Three words to describe the Oilers' start to the season. 
Dan, I want to start with you. What are your three words to describe the start of the Edmonton Oilers season? Well, I'm going to go back to my uh, one of my favorite songs from the uh, from one of my favorite bands, a very underrated band. It's Day and Night. Uh, just an absolute, you know, just just two different games, a tale of two very different teams. Uh, looked, I, I joked about it on Twitter and got blasted for it, but the the first game against Vancouver, we looked like we were still in the play-in round against Chicago. And then uh, last night's game was absolute hot fire. So night and day, day and night, that's my three words. Uh, I see Taryn O.R. Taranor on Instagram had night and day. So she's got the reverse. Uh, Reese Folkslang on Instagram says, being an Oilers fan, well, that's four words. So we're going to, you know, you know. Uh, Caden says preseason would have helped. Rick, what do you say? Um, That's the... Oilers. We're only judging two games here, so I'm not going to get too up or too down. I wasn't too bummed out of the first. I'm not going to, you know, obviously last night was fun to watch and there was lots of good coming out of it. Um, but I'm not going to get overly excited about that. We've seen them play both those versions of games quite often and quite often they're back-to-back. So, yeah, that's the Oilers, man. We've watched them for a long-ass time and sometimes they don't look great and sometimes they do look fantastic. That's what uh, keeps that Kool-Aid tasting so good. Back to Instagram, Dawson says, keep Nuge forever. Mark says, day and night. Holt, Holtizard? Holtizard says, keeps getting better. Uh, Pukaraj Bounsell says, golden garbage bag. I like that. D. Boyer says, hopes crushed tub thumping. I hope he's talking about tub thumping by Chumbawamba. Hell yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know, man. I like it, though. Hey, Tyler, we never said they had to make your, sense. What are your three words, Tyler? <laughs> My three words are going to be about the first two games of the season, but also how I suspect the rest of the season will go, and they are stress level max, because that's what it's going to be, folks. Nothing but four-point games, and we got a, to me, the first two games that were a perfect microcosm of the season. We're going to lose a game to Calgary or Winnipeg or something that puts them two points ahead of us in the standings, and the next day everyone's going to be like, oh my God, we can't compete with these teams. We're not good enough. Then we'll beat them the next <laughs> night, and it'll be like, McDavid is unstoppable. Who's going to stop him? No one's going to stop him. So stress level, Max, it's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to get your heart pounding, but it's going to be a ton of fun. Back to the old Instagram machine. Marcus says, dark and bright. Twideman 1969 says, I only need two words, Stanley Cup. <laughs> King Yuri says, Beast has awoken. I like these. And just to round things off, my three words were, I'm rock hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there it is. The old Tyler, okay. Tyler shaking his head. He's just like, <laughs> listen, first night looked a lot like a preseason game. Dan said, you know what? Looks like the playing rounds and played in a long time. To me, that looks like what you would normally get in the very first preseason game of the year. If the, the Oilers hadn't played a regular season game and it was 308 days between regular season games, they had those four mixed in in the bubble. But you know what? It was sloppy. I was expecting sloppy hockey uh, and I got it. It would have been nice if they had gotten maybe a, uh, another save or two, maybe a lucky bounce, maybe Vancouver didn't get the saves, but that's not the way things went. It was one game. So my question to all of you guys, what did you think of the overreactions 
from game one. Because if you go into the comment section on OilersNation.com, in my wrap-up that I posted for night one, the sky was falling. Oh, yeah. Tyler? Yeah, man. The text line at TSN 1260 as well, like, people were done. They were like, it's the same shit every year. This is why we never win. And it was like, hey, it was one game, first game of the year, no preseason, all that stuff. The Canucks weren't particularly great either. The Oilers just didn't get a couple of bounces, right? Their D-zone coverage was sloppy, all that stuff. So the overreaction to me was just comical. Like, they're not going to go 56-0. And guess what? After winning last night, McDavid looking as good as he was, you would now think that they're about to go 55-1. and But, like, <laughs> again, like I said off the top, you need to have a bit of an even keel here or else in this season especially – you're going you're gonna to go nuts if you live and die with every single win and loss. Like It's going to be up and down. They're going to lose 20-plus games this year, and that's not a bad thing. That With that, they'll probably still make the playoffs. So I just think everyone sometimes needs to take a deep breath and not just go bananas every time they lose. And I get that it was because it was the season opener and all that stuff, um, but it, it was comical for me. Dan, what do you think? Well, that's, that's where I think Oiler fans could be excused for maybe having a little bit of over enthusiasm, uh, and it, and you could say the same about the win last night. Um, it's been you know it been about roughly 140, 145 days since we'd seen the Oilers play, and they were really disappointing the last time we saw them play. So uh, you know, at, at Bag Milk kind of talked about it. That was our preseason game. Uh, both teams had a lot of rust to show, but as the game rolled on, you started to see the rust falling off of the players. Uh, you know, they talked about it. They talked about it pregame last night. And then you saw it last night with Connor McDavid. He had a lot of, you know, he had a lot of chances in the first game where, you know, those are automatic for him in the middle of a regular season. But it's early days. And so, yeah, we're not going 56-0. and uh, We weren't going to go 56-0. and But, you know, I, I understand that people are just hockey-starved and, and excited to see this team come out and, and show its promise. Uh, the the real team lives somewhere in between what we saw in the previous two efforts, and uh, you know, and then there'll be nights where Connor McDavid just absolutely runs away with the show, like last night. Uh, Rick, what do you think about the overreaction from losing the home opener? Yeah, that's Oilers fans for you. Um, we've done this a long time, and you've been around a lot of people after you know big wins, bad losses, and everything in between, and. Uh, yeah, it's part of just living in the fishbowl that is Edmonton. It's, you know, everyone's passionate. So, yeah, they may, uh, they may get a little, uh, overly excited when you lose and, and, and the, the spears come out, but, uh, you start winning, everybody jumps back on board again. So, yeah, our toes have been stepped on once or twice from people jumping on and off the bandwagon. For me, I just thought the whole thing itself was interesting to watch because the expectations going into a new year are always high. I mean, I've talked about Kool-Aid season on this podcast a million times already, but until you actually get to watch them play, none of it matters. And I thought it was funny just because it was almost like the rust wasn't expected from some folks that they would just yeah. come out polished. Just, just, I guess that was kind of surprising. I thought it was more funny than anything. Um, I did a B cast on night one after that loss. And even just the chat was alive with people that were doom and gloom. So I had a good time calling them out and just being like, you know, settle, settle. It's okay. We're going to get through this. It's going to be, well, here's another thing I want to say. Normally at, at the best of circumstances, the first month of the NHL season is fucking weird anyway. While people get into the rhythm, you work up the kinks all of a sudden. Sometimes you have a, a team that goes on a heater that you're like, Oh man, maybe, 
I'm just going to use Detroit as an example. Maybe Detroit's actually going to be good this year, and then everybody catches up, and then things look the way they should. So I think that's going to be even more so this year without a preseason. I'm expecting a lot of weird high scores in these opening weeks of the year. And I think we just need to chill a little bit. Like Dan said, the real team somewhere in the middle of what we saw, or hopefully higher than what we saw last night, because there's a lot of good things that happened last night. But it's just been interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like Tyler said, it's going to be stressful. And what I want to ask you guys is, after two games, so the first game didn't go well. Last night was the other side of the coin. Connor went full Connor and destroyed the Canucks, made them look completely ridiculous. Uh, And I want to talk about him in a minute. But one thing I noticed last night is some chippiness after whistles already. Which leads me to believe that this season of just playing these guys over and over and over again is going to get wild. Well, yeah, 100% bag milk. You know, as a guy that the clipping the fights for hockeyfights.com, I've already started to see it uh, all over the NHL. But but you saw it last night, even with a guy like Jujar Kara, a guy that all offseason we've been begging for it from him. And there at the end, he was getting fired up. Uh, Quinn Hughes broke his stick on Nugent Hopkins for seemingly no reason at all uh but but you know there's a guy there's a guy that has no real history of being fiery and he's all fired up so so yeah i think the animosity is just going to continue to build for these teams uh we're not going to see some teams early on in the season that we're going to be having a uh, backloaded season against the calgary flames uh and then you're going to see a lot of teams early on this year that that maybe you haven't built up that rivalry with but yeah 100 percent, you nailed it on the head we are going to see some animosity building between these teams, and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it, it kind of started at the end of game one when uh, McDavid took a run at Quinn Hughes, and just, like, as soon as McDavid hit him, you could hear from the Canucks bench, I think I heard five, six F-bombs, a ton of fuck yous thrown at Connor McDavid as he skated back to the Oilers bench, and someone, <laughs> yeah, someone yelled out right when he hit him, like, what the fuck was that for? And uh, Cassian stood up on the Oilers bench. He was jawing when that happened. Like, it started to get a little heated there. And then you had in the game uh, on Thursday where Nurse, and I think it was Roussel behind the net at one point, something ticked off Roussel. Roussel, again, being an angry little man uh, at the end of the game with Jujar. (laughs) And then as he was skating off, you could see Josh Archibald kind of like perked up on the bench as Roussel was skating off. And Archibald chirped at him, and Roussel turned and was giving it to Archibald, and then the Canucks bench was giving it to Archibald. It was a ton of fun to watch all that unfold, but I think the next time these two teams play, it's going to be even more heated, which is good, and I think that's going to happen with everyone. Maybe the first two times you play Montreal, it'll be like, okay, whatever, but by the end of that second game, someone on the Oilers is going to be fucking sick of Josh Anderson, and someone on the Habs is going to be sick of Darnell Nurse, or whoever it is, and the rivalries by the end of this season especially once playoff lives are on the line, they're going to be incredible. I think one of the first cases that we're, case that we're going to get of it, uh, because we don't play Vancouver again this month. However, the Oilers do play the Leafs four times this month. So the last one comes in on January 30th. That's a home game on a Saturday night. I cannot wait to see what it looks like by the end of that fourth game, playing them four times in two weeks. It's going to be fun, right? Dan? Well, 
And the guy that the guy that's working the mute button is having a hell of a time these days. I don't know if you guys noticed that last night. I can't remember the exchange, but there was an f bomb dropped on TV, and then all of a sudden the game volume went down real quick. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun time for a lot of people. Uh, Tyler, I know you were in the building there for for opening night, and and yeah, it's uh, it's just I don't know this this crazy season that we're involved in here in 2021. It's going to be just a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, even last night, my other one, uh, the other thing that stuck out for me when I guess the mute button would have been pressed for TV, uh, when Darnell Nurse got that slashing penalty, it was almost like as soon as the ref's arm went up, you could hear McDavid give it a, are you fucking kidding me? And then when Nurse when Nurse turned and saw it in the play stop, Nurse goes, such a fucking bullshit call. And you can hear it loud, <laughs> and, then, and then the music starts playing in the rink and you can't hear anything again. But it, it's been funny. For me, being there to hear the chirps and the swearing and all that, it keeps me entertained. I want to go ahead and thank our friends at SkipTheDishes.ca for making this possible as well. It is a Friday afternoon. Hungry for hockey, hungry for delicious snacks and foods from around our wonderful food community. Head over to SkipTheDishes.ca, pick something up. As Tyler always says, tip your driver. Maybe get yourself, uh, you know, maybe it's an Arby's night. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. However, skipthedishes.ca, they've got whatever you're craving. I promise you that. Tyler, you were at the game last night. You were at Rogers Place for the last two nights. I want to talk to you about Connor, though, because last night he went supernova. We, on the Real Life Podcast yesterday, talked a little bit about angry Connor and how he had chances in the opener. He couldn't cash. None of us were worried about it, but what we all kind of said was the Canucks better watch out because you know he's going to be moving. It Same thing happened in the bubble, right? Chicago won game one, and we all kind of said, you know, McDavid's going to be pissed off tonight because you like obviously we know he's hyper-competitive, but when he loses or he gets shut out, he usually follows it up with a tremendous performance, and last night was exactly that. You could tell he was highly motivated. He, he was burying his chances. He was just on another level. And he, when he gets going to that level, it's next to impossible to stop. And the way someone put it to me, and I love this today, other star players will take advantage of your mistakes. But if you play mistake-free hockey, you can shut down other star players. What makes Connor McDavid unique and what puts him on another level compared to anyone else we've seen in the league, you can play it perfectly and he'll beat you. Like, what were the Canucks supposed to do there? They played that wonderfully. They almost read the pass backwards, but he was going so fast that it didn't matter that they read it. Edler played him perfectly up until the point he slammed on the brakes because in Edler's mind, he's going, okay, just stop him from driving the net, stop him from driving the net. You're not expecting him to slam on the brakes and rip one top shelf, but he did that. So that's what just makes him so unique is that you can play him perfectly and there's just not a defenseman in the league capable of shutting him down. And last night was a perfect example of that. You weren't at the well, games. You were you were at the game. So one thing that you wouldn't have seen, Tyler, is last night Sportsnet had a graphic when he flew down the wing on his second goal there, and he was going 37 kilometers an hour up the ice. And then when he cut towards center, it dropped by 20k. And like you said, what are you supposed to do there, Dan? Well, and it's so funny too, Tyler. Uh, you know, talking about and and Bag Milk talking about the videos that were circulating around that that video of that second goal hit Twitter like a hot fire. And reading the comments, I was I was reading the comments late last night after I couldn't go to sleep, and uh, and some of the comments, people just being like, 
like what could what could the defenseman do in that play? And and people are just you know they're they're mocking the defenseman, but then other people are like, well, what could he have done differently there? You know, and nobody had the answer for that. And then the second part of that was the feedback of this video had to be sped up, right? And that was that was a comment from so many people. And I think I think there were a lot of people that maybe haven't seen Connor McDavid uh, before this, and you know that's a shame on the NHL for that fact, but. But people just being convinced that that video had been sped up, and it absolutely was not. It was the real lifetime replay of him scoring that goal, and people's minds are just blown by it. And that's and that's what Connor McDavid does on a nightly basis to people that don't have the the uh, the good graces of being nightly basis. One of my favorite things from that second goal that we're all talking about right now is after he put it in, the look on Tyson Berry's face. Yeah as they all gathered for like the celebration was hilarious. It was kind of like you could almost see his brain leaking out of his ears from what he just saw. I made a meme that's going pretty well right now. It's just kind of like, you know, the feeling when you get to play with Connor instead of having to defend him. Uh, Rick, we're talking about the second goal that Connor scored last night, the coast to coaster. Connor doing Connor things, my friends. What do you think? Rick is on mute. Well, and that's and the, sorry, I'll just jump in then. But like, and like with for Tyson Berry, how how easy of a point was that for him, right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I easy. He thought he, he thought he missed the puck. Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Barry thought he missed the puck. Is this going to do some sort of like psychological damage to Tyson Berry now? Every time he's about to get the puck on the power play, is Barry going to be like, "Is this for me? Do I get? Do I knock this down? What do I do?" Well, it's funny though because you guys remember last year our, our power play was terrific. And it was essentially the same guys as the year before, right? So they needed to have that first year, and then the second year they really took off. I was curious to see how long it's going to take um, them get used to Barry and Barry get used to them. Uh, you're going to have a completely different-handed shot running the, the the blue line now, so everything's going to be a little bit different. So I was a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe not too worried after the first game, but seeing what happened in the second period, in the second game was fantastic, and then that goal there. Once Connor picked that puck up, you saw that defenseman on the left side start to stumble, and I knew he was in from there. And yeah, the, the way he he puts on the brakes, cuts to the middle, gets that shot off. I don't know who's supposed to stop that. Uh, I think Thatcher Demko got an introduction to Connor McDavid that he didn't necessarily want last night because while everybody was talking about that second goal, and rightfully so, his third one to me was almost just as nice, where he take a quick little pass to his forehand, forehand to backhand, top shelf. You can't do anything about it. As nice as that, that goal was, though, and I don't know if you guys spoke on it already, but I feel like he, and I don't think he's going to be too upset about it, but he didn't get anywhere near the amount of credit, is Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, that yeah. game he had last night was disgusting. And that pass he made for that third goal was absolutely ridiculous. The dude never even looked. Well, he was completely back to the play. He knew exactly what was going on, but there's that completely back, uh, a blind pass that Connors went for and back with. And the sec- or the Connors' first goal as well, uh, like the faceoff win was just—it's masterful, man. His ability yeah. to do that on his back end, put it right on Yamamoto's tape, and uh, also on that on the uh, second goal of the game, first for Connor McDavid. You also got to give some love to Yesopulia Yarvi, who is the one oh. who drove into the zone, shot the puck on net, got the faceoff that would eventually lead to the last second Connor goal. We're definitely going to talk about Jesse as well because I want to—I want to look at the new guys as well as Jesse in his second uh, stint. But just back to last night as well. Connor did what Connor did. Leon quietly putting up points. 
Nuge has three points. When your three big boys are scoring like that, what are you going to do? Not hey, to that mention fourth Yamo. One, that fourth one, exactly, Yamo. That fourth one is, is pulling himself right up into that conversation. Obviously, he's not with the top three. But what he did, what he did on that, on that Nugent goal, on the Nugent Hopkins goal, was ridiculous, man. The way he walked through two or three defensemen right there and just gave it to Nugent, put it in. Lucic could have scored that down goal. Yeah. I want to pump Yamamoto's tires here for a second because, like Rick just said, on Nugent's second goal of the night, it was all puck possession and tenacity from Taylor Yamamoto that caused that. He was the straw that stirred the drink on that entire play. All Nuge had to do was get enough space to keep his stick down for a tap in. It was one of the easier goals that Nuge is going to score in his career. And I think that over the first two games, Kaylor Yamamoto, while he, I mean, he has three points already. He's been one of the best Oilers forwards so far. Don't you think that? Yeah. Well, he was, he's 100% the best player on the ice for us in that first game. Yep. He was, he was all over the ice hitting guys doing what a honey badger do. And then, uh, and then, yeah, last night again, you know, quietly, everybody's kind of overshadowed by Connor, which I think they all understand and they accept. Uh, but yeah, for, for this team uh, and, and one thing too, I know you're going to talk about the new guys, but, but seeing that, that chemistry between Cahoon and dry yeah. that's building and already there, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the hallmarks of this team with the Yamamoto, the Dreisaitl, the Nuge, and the Connor, those guys just tend to know where each other are at all times. And you saw a little bit of that polish that they needed from the first game that came on in the second game. And those extended periods of time where we had pucks in the in the Canuck zone yesterday, it just felt like this team, as they, as they continue to gel together, is going to be unstoppable at points in games. And you love to see it. Dan brought it up. Let's talk about the new guys. Um, short sample size, obviously two games. We're going to get a game tomorrow night against Montreal, but I want to start with Dominic Cahoon because he's playing with Yamamoto at dry saddle. I like the chemistry that's going on between the two German longtime friends right now. I think that once they get some more of bats in, I think right now, if I'm going to nitpick a little bit, I think Cahoon's defaulting to dry saddle a little bit too much. Just like I thought in game one, Nuge was defaulting to McDavid too much. But I think that once they get that sorted, they're going to get really comfortable because those two, along with Yamamoto, are already producing all kinds of chances that are giving the opposition fits. 100%. I, and I think the with Cahoon and Dreisaitl, you can just tell they think similarly in ways because whether it's on a zone entry, whether it's on the cycle, it just seems like Dreisaitl knows exactly where to put the puck and where Cahoon's going to step up. And Cahoon knows that, hey, if I'm in trouble, I just got to spin and throw it to this area, and Leon's going to be there. So I agree. I think there is. I was skeptical about it, too. In the offseason, I kind of said, you know, just because they're friends, just because they're both from Germany, just because they played together, that doesn't mean they're going to have NHL-level chemistry, right? But I've been proven wrong a little bit here, and I'm happy about that because the two of them definitely click a little bit. Rick, first thoughts on Cahoon? I think he's fit in just perfectly on that line. Uh, I don't think it's really missed much um, from the version that had Nuge there last year. So, yeah, they looked good in the first game. They looked fantastic in the second game. So the fact that they're going to make other teams think about who put who they put their best defensive players out there against is only going to help the team in the long run. Dan, your thoughts are good. Man, what an absolute luxury that Ken Holland has afforded this team, eh? Like, he goes out and finds a guy that already has chemistry with Dreisaitl. And, and to Yamamoto's credit, He's already built up something there with those two guys that, you know, it feels like that could be a line that 
you know, it could replace the Nuge, Dreisaitl, and, and Yamamoto of, of year past. Um, so, it, yeah, it's it's such an absolute great thing for us. And and, there's, and now you got that front line of, of Nuge, McDavid, and insert right wing here. It's it's just unbelievable happy times in the oiler country. I do want to talk about Cassian a little bit uh, after we get off, off this. But moving on to, I'm going to go Kyle Turris next. Tyler, your first thoughts on Kyle Turris. Uh, you described him on Real Life yesterday as a little bit of dry toast, and I'm not willing to go there because that name is reserved for my boy Marcus Granlund, who was terrible. Um, but uh, for Turris, listen, I, I think he's adjusting to a new role, right? Early in his career, he's always been skill, top six guy, going to play power play, all that stuff. Now he's becoming bottom six mentor to a young player who's going to kill penalties. And the things I've liked from Turris, I, I haven't, I'll be fair, I haven't, been noticing him too much in the face-off circle. I don't know if he's been doing good or bad, but on the penalty kill, a willingness to block shots. He seems like he's picked up penalty killing a little bit, which is something he hasn't had to do a lot in his career. So, like, Kyle Turris was not brought in here to be a, you know, point-every-other-game guy even, right? He was brought in here to give them solid bottom six minutes and kill penalties and, you know, maybe bring a bit of offense. And I think that third line has not scored, but created some decent chances. He's killed penalties well. He's given him decent minutes. No complaints at all when it comes to Kyle Turris through two games. Rick, Kyle Turris. Yeah, completely there. Um, I'm very impressed with what he's been able to do on the PK. I didn't really think of it too. Um, I wasn't sure what he was going to bring to that, what, what he's going to bring to it. So I was a little uh, worried about what we are going to do with the PK going forward. But he stepped in, and he, the way he jumps in front of shots, uh, lay down, kick his feet up. Like he's not afraid to block. He's putting himself out there. Um, after that, if he can get through the whole game without really having to hear his name, that's pretty much a good thing, man. That means he's not doing anything bad out there. So if he's going to accept this defensive type role and really solidify that third that third center spot, um, I'm all for it. He looked really good so far. Uh, my, but just I did call Kyle Turris dry toast on real life yesterday, but I also think that. I don't think that's a problem for your third line mm, center. That's fair. He was, he, he's he, where he's not Marcus Granlin is that Marcus Granlin was useless and he did nothing. We were downgrading him from dry toast to nothing. Whereas <laughs> Kyle Turris, I think that he's been a little boring, but I have no problem with that. That third hey. line is looking all right. Dan, what do you think about Kyle Turris? Yeah, I think this one, you can just say it's that, that, first two games you know he's got some jitters he's got some some gelling to do with line mates uh you know another quote-unquote new guy on his team or on his on his wing uh as well yeah I, I i don't think dry toast is like outlandish at this point but i think it's still early too early to tell what we have with with tourists other than his penalty kill ability which you know he came into a pk that was already pretty damn good without him um and didn't look out of place so that's that's a positive as well Moving on, I want to talk about Slater Cuckoo. And I'm just going to go ahead and start and say he's on the third pairing, but I like everything that he's doing right now. I like everything he's doing. He's quietly solid back there. He's got nice wheels. He can move the puck. Rick, what do you think about Slater Cuckoo? A properly priced third-line defenseman. Yeah. Uh, no, you know what? I've, I've been, I was excited when I saw him get slated in there in the, uh, in the newspaper. Ahead of Russell, I didn't really expect that. So you know, after all these years, it was a, it was a nice little surprise for me. And the fact he's he's fit in and and looked very good. Like there's he hasn't looked at a spot for that 
the role that they're asking for. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about what, what we got out of them right now. Dan, are you cuckoo for cuckoo? Yeah, I am. I, I'm calling it right now. I think we see more of Slater Cuckoo than other options by the end of the season. He's he's just he's that kind of that NHL player that you need on this team. Uh, this defense needs that solidification. He's a guy that goes out and blocks shots. He's a guy that can can chip in offensively. I don't know. I I, I like a lot of what Cuckoo brings to the game, and and I think this team needs more of that. So I think going forward, you probably see him play more than 25 games this year. Tyler, wrap it up. Yeah, I think based on the fact he's already played two, it's it's not exactly a hot take to say he's going to play 25 plus, right? Like it's it's almost expected for okay, me now. But he's in, he's, in, he's in the top six. Well, I think he's in the top six. He's going to play yeah. until he has to be knocked out or an injury. A week ago, I didn't think he would play either of the first two games. Not only did he play, he was what are we going to say? Their fourth best defenseman. Because Jones Jones wasn't good, Larson wasn't good, and Cuckoo, like, I'm surprised with his skating. When he's out there, you're never, he never looks like he's panicking, right? Which for a third-pairing defenseman is kind of all you want. He makes the the smart play, the simple play, and he skates well. There you go. Check the boxes. He's a good third-pairing D-man. I have no complaints about Slater Cuckoo's game at all. Wrapping up the conversation on the new guys before we get to Jesse and Tour 2.0, Tyson Berry. Tyler? Uh, yeah, he, he's been good. I think to an extent, maybe came as advertised, not exactly great in his own end. At times he looks, you know, a little scrambly. Um, but I also think some of that is not being in mid season form on the power play. I mean, as long as he doesn't try to knock down any passes that are going to Connor McDavid, he's going to be just fine. And <laughs> we talked about it, you know, could Tyson Berry potentially make that power play better. And I think through two games, what we've seen is he absolutely can. Having that right shot there is something that I didn't really value in the past. But when they acquired Barry, I thought, you know, this could be a good thing. Giving Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, whoever's on that side of the ice, giving them a one-timer option is huge. And through two games, they've been using it. Now they need to learn to use it and not telegraph that they're using it or force it to Tyson Barry too much. But I, I think that's going to be a huge asset for them on the power play. So, again... Maybe a little scrambly at times. Early in the season, I'm I'm willing to forgive mistakes and focus more on positives. And with Barry, there are certainly positives to focus on. Dan, what about our new friend, Tyson Barry? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, he gives a different element to this power play that he's that true kind of quarterback in the sense that he's a guy that's going to make those passes that you need in, in the offensive zone. He's not necessarily going to bomb the puck from the point if anything his goals are going to probably come on some sneaky little wristers uh from the slot and, and from the hash marks but yeah he's uh like tyler said you just there's 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 not a lot to like about his uh his confidence i guess in the defensive zone but it's not like it was anything different than what we saw from the rest of the defense so you got to excuse that hopefully as as rust and, and early season jitters as it were but uh but yeah for the power play it's, he's going to be an absolute ace in the hole for this team going forward for this year. Barry picked up his first point as an Oiler last night on Connor McDavid's second goal. Probably one of the easiest points he'll ever collect in his NHL career. Rick, what do you think about Barry? Uh, first, I got to say, this kind of annoys me because everyone's doing it. But the quarterback of our power play is 97. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's not Barry. Barry's a nice little addition. No. He helps move the puck from the left to the right and the right to the left. No problem. But everyone's out there saying he's going to quarterback the power play. He's not quarterbacking, but he's a nice addition. Don't get me wrong. 
I understand <laughs> what everyone's saying. I'm pretty much on the same side. I'm just saying you can't call him the quarterback. I'm anyway, not saying he's, he's, the, gonna he's not running the power play. You're right. No, he's no, not he's running not the power play. He ain't the quarterback either. He's the guy that he's the, guy the puck can get back to, and he can settle it down and get it to Connor so, in spots instead of yeah, Connor. He's, quality, he's, that quality, he's a quality uh, guy who can move the puck from the top to the left and whatnot, but so good, so good cleft bomb. But he's, he's done. He hasn't, he hasn't done anything crazy yet on either side of good or bad. So I'm happy with that out of a defenseman like him, um, especially the first two games. I think it's only going get, to get better as he gets a little more comfortable in this spot. So this is a good spot. This is a good uh, starting spot for him. To me, you guys kind of said everything about Tyson Berry uh, through two games. Obviously, it's a very, very short, uh, small sample size. To me, the thing I just kind of want to point out is the way he passes the puck is impressive to me. And I think that when he starts to settle in, get comfortable with the boys, they get some at-bats, some practices, all that shit in, we're going to see some stretch passes from Barry right to the tape on people flying up the zone, be it Connor, Leon, whoever, that we haven't really seen before. That's not to say that Clefbaum couldn't pass the puck, because he certainly can, but it just seems like every pass that Barry makes, well, most passes that Barry make end up right where they're supposed to go. And I think that's a really nice element to have, especially when you're looking for an offensive defenseman like him that we haven't really had in a while. Nice passes like a quarterback, you would say. <laughs> yeah, but when you say quarterback, I'm thinking like, you know, the one yeah. with the puck on their stick the most, who is calling out plays, telling guys no. to get off the ice when they need to get off the ice. <laughs> I guess so scary, I just want to say, did you guys see Connor last yeah. night with Caleb Jones? That was the funniest yeah. shit. <laughs> that was one of the funniest things ever. If you don't know what we're talking about, Caleb Jones was on for a power play. Connor had the puck and he's just like, get off now. Nuge has to come off. He, po- he pointed him. Yeah, he's on, the, he's on the half wall, had the puck, pointed to Jones and then pointed to the bench to like, get off yeah. the ice. It wasn't even, he, it was, it wasn't even like... Jones put his hand up in the air like he was like he was the one like okay I'll come off now. Jones <laughs> like hey I'm coming off guys like yeah no we know you are. <laughs> I love how Jones for a second was like opening up his hips like he wanted a one timer and then when oh, he yeah. looked up at Connor was like oh, fuck. <laughs> I loved it. That that is your power play quarterback right there directing traffic and telling people <laughs> the GTFO off the ice. I loved it. Connor is if there's ever a doubt that this is Connor's team they're just to stop it. Um, <laughs> Again, I want to thank our friends at Tourism Jasper for, in part, making this all possible. This January, celebrate winter safety in a pristine mountain wonderland in Jasper. On January 15th to 31st, get incredibly incredible deals on COVID-friendly versions of all your favorite winter activities. Celebrate in the spirit of winter with glowing light installations throughout the town, more intimate adventure options, unforgettable skiing, and multi-day stays in a cabin of your very own. Get outdoors and make some memories with members of your household. Learn more about it at jasper.travel forward slash January. Jasper.travel forward slash January. All right, we talked about the new boys. Let's talk about one of our old friends that made his way back over the pond. Jesse Pugliarvi played two games so far. Last night, he played just over 11 minutes. I would say last night, those 11 minutes, he got the most out of them. He was very effective. He looked stronger on the puck. He's got wheels. His puck protection is better. And if there's one thing that I noticed about Pugliarvi last night as he was protecting the puck, I would love for him to staple himself to Drysidle at practice just so those two can work on it together because Drysidle is one of the best in the league at it. And when you're the size of Jesse Pugliarvi and his neck looks like my thighs right now, <laughs> he could get there too. 
So I would love those two to work together on that. Rick, I obviously got to start with you. What do you think of your boy? Uh, yeah, I was happy after game one. Uh, I didn't see, you know, there are obviously some, some jitters and a couple negative points in there, but I thought for the most part that uh, when he stood out, it was for good. So after the first game, I was happy. And then he was, uh, I think he really took a step forward yesterday's game. Um, when you said, like, I know which play you're talking about. When he's coming around in the first period, he's stretched out. He's coming around on his forehand. And the way yep. he stretches, dude, that's like uh, his yeah. reach goes into another time zone all of a sudden. Like, I don't it know looks how like anyone, he... how is anyone going to get knock that puck off his stick? It looks like he's got a 12-foot twist. Dude, he's massive out there. So, yeah, no, he's, you know, um, I think he's going to get a little bit stronger still. Uh, he stands up a little bit straight so he can get knocked over a little bit too easily still. But once he figures out he can drop his ass another inch or so, drop that center of gravity and really start to utilize those legs. So, yeah, once he uh, he learns from uh, Leon a bit, watch all Joe Thornton and Anze Kopitar highlight films, uh, I think he's really going to be a nice addition. And he's going to be he's going to be really hard to knock off that puck. Dan Pool Party 2.0. Well, yeah, Rick, Rick pretty much hit it on the head. I, I was just going to say, like, Last night, it felt like one of those, a couple of those little plays where if the hockey gods had uh, had Jesse's side at this moment, he would have a goal already under his belt. He de- he deserved it for his effort, and uh, and I, I think it's coming. Uh, you know, and just yeah, it's 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 such a joy to see the guy back on the team as as an Oilers fan that's seen a lot of guys get chased out of town and have it not turn out well. Uh, you hope nothing but the best for this one. Obviously, you know, these are early days. We're, well, I'm going to say it again. We're talking about first impressions of some guys, but Uli Arvey last night had, I'm looking here. Seven he shots. Seven shots on goal last night. That's crazy. That's fourth most on the team, I think. It's, it's to get seven shots on net, and albeit some of them were a little ways out or whatever, whatever, but you know what? Seven shots in 11 minutes is no joke. Tyler, what do you see from the, uh, where are you sitting last night, by the way? Uh, Lowe's level. What what do you see from the lows level? Uh, yeah, I saw, I mean, I'll start with this. In the first game, I didn't love what I saw from Pujarvi. I thought mm-hmm. he still looked stumbly. I, I kind of thought there was still, like, he looked like Bambi a little bit, which he did in his first stint here. But I was like, you know what? First game back in North America, cut him some slack. And I'll be honest, I didn't expect to see what I saw in game two because I was, quite frankly, blown away. He looked big, strong. He was going to the net a little bit. He got a look on the power play. He was generating offense. He was skating really, really well. If we get more of that this year, I mean, it's it's a game changer for this Oilers team. The, the only thing I don't like too much about his skating is he likes to do those big, whooping yeah. circles back in his own end, and he's got to learn to like cut those shorter a little bit and start to use a little bit more of the... Uh, short steps to get those first going. I wonder, and I'm not someone who watches a lot of European hockey, but I wonder if that's a bit of a European thing. When For you have sure, because it's wider ice. Wide and ice, right? So I, so I watched a lot of his highlights from last year, too, and it looks the exact same thing. Like you're, you're winding up, but because it's so much wider, you you know, you have that ability. So once he figures, you know, to kind of cut those corners a little bit, he's really going to take off. There was one play where Nurse had it, and he did this little big windy thing, and he went up the right side. If he, went, if he cut to the middle, and Nurse is able to hit him with that, I think it'd be terrifying because he's so big, so fast, and if he can ha- make one quick move through the defenseman, they're either going to, one, take a penalty, or two, he's going to undress them, he's going to go in for breakaway after breakaway after breakaway. Changing gears a little bit, uh, because there's not just two games to talk about from the past, we got a big game tomorrow, but the news that just came out right before we started recording, Jason Greger tweeted out, Mike Smith 
I'm told is going to be out a few weeks, but to bring in a goalie who isn't in Canada means he wouldn't be available until the 24th at earliest and then have to have a few skates with the team first. So likely 28th would be the first chance to play. Only benefit for the Oilers is their next back-to-back isn't until the 30th and the 31st. So last night, Miko had to go into the net. We all thought it was going to be Smith. In the afternoon, they revealed that he was unfit to play, blanket term. What's going to go on with the goalie situation, Tyler? I honestly think they just got to play Stuart Skinner. You kind of made your bed. And listen, I know it's like, oh, well, it's Anton Forsberg. Who cares? He would have been better than Stuart Skinner. And look around the league right now. The Jets are going to keep three goalies now. Uh, the Leafs are going to keep three goalies. They, I think they should have maybe prioritized keeping Anton Forsberg on the NHL roster. Hindsight 2020, whatever. But you don't really, like Gregor said, you don't really have a choice. You kind of just got to run with Skinner and Koskinen. And I talked to Low Tide about this today, and he kind of said, you know, it's every second day. Just play Koskinen. Do you really want to risk burning out the guy this early in the season? No. It's going to, you know, it's not ideal. Stuart Skinner's not going to go steal you a game, but I think you'd need to try sneak him in there at least once over the next seven to ten days just so Koskinen doesn't get completely burnt out. Who knows? NHL debut? You never know what a guy could give you. No, we saw that. Who was... Didn't LB have a ridiculous um, debut? Make forty some odd saves or something? Yeah, something like that. Yep. Uh, yeah, no. I obviously Holland's going to be out there kicking tires, seeing what he can do. Um, you know, it's only an injury away from one of the Canadian teams having to put one of their goaltenders on on waivers. You know, as they try and replace an injury or something like that. So I don't know. I don't think he sits on his hands too long, but you may get forced into riding uh, Boskin in a little bit here, and it's going to take a week or so for, for Holland to figure it out. See, I don't disagree with Tyler that do you want to play him that much this early, but I think they're going to. Oh, you're, going to be, that, you're going to kind of be stuck to, right? In the next, so you don't rush it too much and it gets done in the next two or three days, unless it's something that's really it's going to work out long-term for you. But I think you can take your time a little bit, but you're you know not much more than a week, because especially when it comes to the uh, coming across the border and having a quarantine. My bet is that the only if if Holland gets a goalie soon, and it is like Gregor said, not until later in the month where that new person would get into the mix. I bet that the only my bet, Tyler, is that the okay. only time we see Stuart Skinner is if a score is getting run up because things are weird and they just pull they do the mercy pull. I just think that's a dangerous game to be playing this early. You need Koskinen for fifty six this year. And not that it's exactly quote unquote punting a game, but I, I just think you need to take that chance at some point. Cause it's again, it's not like you're giving up and waving a white flag and losing. You can still win with Stuart Skinner, but I, I, I just be too worried about burning out Koskinen. It scares me. Who do you play him against? Well, uh, I was just going to say, you've only got Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, and then another Toronto before the 31st of which case is Ottawa. Cause you don't, you don't want him to play. You're not going to want him to play against Toronto. You wouldn't? Well, you got to... I would imagine... Why not sacrifice into a team like Toronto and try and uh, keep Koskinen in for a game where you may have a better chance? You know, like it's... When you're going up and you're playing back-to-back, sometimes you play your backup against a better team to try and secure that other type of win, right? Or just read the other team. You know, just say, tell both guys, be ready to start. And if you see Montreal on Monday goes with Jake Allen, throw Skinner in there. I think you're going to probably see Miko get 
a bunch of a lion's share of the starts. And if we get a, if we get a, and and I'm not talking about back-to-backs, but I'm talking about back-to-backs against the same team. If we get a W in a first game against a team, you might as well go to Skinner at some point in that second game, right? You've already you've already banked those two points, and then you just see what happens in the second game. But my bold prediction of Miko Koskinen getting 23 wins is looking good already, boys. I just think that with the with the compressed schedule, uh, the 56 game schedule this year, that I just don't know if that's going to be the case because you're we're talking about Stuart Skinner and no offense like I'm not trying to degrade him at any point but at this stage in his career mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what you want to do in a compressed season like last year he played in the ECHL last year for three he's days. got like 80 games in an E and an A combined so yeah he's pretty pretty green he's a green dude and he was 892 with the Condors last year 894 with the Thunder in the ECHL I mean when games are four point games I don't know how willing Dave Tippett's going to be to be like, well, get out there, kid. Let's see what you can do. Because he would have yeah. been like, he would have, he was supposed to be fourth in line, not second. Well, even, we, even if you run him for January and you maybe give him Ottawa on the thirty first, maybe that's what two weeks, two and a bit. Um, maybe Smith's ready to go then. And what does he need in terms of, of rest before he's ready to roll again? Three days. So is it two games, three games in a row that Smith, Skinner, or question mark have to deal with? Or, you know, it's all about how you want to handle it. Dan, you got some noises going on in the car there? Yeah, the car has alerted me. No, it, what it is is uh, I, I think, like, we've been a victim of the waiver wire early on in the season. Uh, Carolina grabbing Forsberg and then Winnipeg grabbing Forsberg again. Uh, there's going to be transactions that are going to have to happen these teams that have three goalies are going to have to move stuff around. And we're probably going to see a goalie hit the waiver wire that we're just going to grab, whether it's a goalie that, again, like you guys mentioned, or like Gregor mentioned, has to wait until he can come over the border. Um, who knows? But I think that we're going to we're going to end up grabbing somebody that way. And, and until then, Miko is the hot hand. And, and uh, Skinner comes in, and if in a case where Miko says, I can't go tonight, that's probably the only case where they actually get him in there. It's going to be interesting. I, if you're listening to this podcast right now, hit us up on social ON Radio Podcast. Let us know how you think this goalie situation is going to play out. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. It's going to be interesting. It's just a problem on the list that the Oilers didn't need in week one of the season, but here we are. And you know what? They're not going to be, this isn't a unique situation. This is going to, just because it's happening to Edmonton right now, it's going to happen somewhere else. And all of a sudden, you're going to have a cornerback playing quarterback. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm in. It, Hey, we got a, we have a quality defenseman sitting there, loves to block shots. Maybe throw some pads on him. And he hasn't played. You know he right. wants to get in there. Right. Now is the time. I've been. Oh, I maybe I should. Should I just write a shit post article in Oilers Nation saying now's the time to try Chris Russell as backup goalie? <laughs> maybe let him take a couple of shots during practice. I don't know if hurt. Uh, My beer league team funny. won a game doing that once. Sometimes you got him, man. Needed to play a D man, so he went, found gear. Showed up and we won the game like eight six. It was great. I think he only faced like nine shots that we dominated. Playing goal is fun. I love playing goal. I love playing goal too. I it's loved great. in minor hockey, like right around Christmas time, when the coach would be like, "Ah, you guys can just have fun at our practice." I'd always go yeah. in there. <laughs> always got to go in now. I always wanted to be a goalie growing up, but uh, and understandably so, my old man wouldn't buy me the pads. They were pretty expensive. I don't blame him. I wasn't mean. allowed to be a goalie. Boys, if Carolina Hurricanes could win with a Zamboni driver in the net, we can win with Stuart uh, yeah, Skinner yeah. in the net. You are the 98th person to make that joke. 
<laughs> hey, at least I was in 99, right, Jim? <laughs> That's a good comeback. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about last night was Jack Michael's first call for the Oilers as the new regional TV guy. Oh, by the way, big shout out to Nation Real Life guest Harn Ryan Singh for yeah. doing the call in game one. I was super pumped for him. If you haven't heard that interview that we did with Harn Ryan on Real Life, go listen to it. Because the guy is an Oilers fan, grew up an Oilers fan, and I can only imagine how cool it must have been for him to be able to make a national call for an Oilers game. Really super cool moment for the guy. I was pumped for him. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to hear uh, much of the call. I went back and listened to his goals. Um, his Yamamoto call, that was great. And listen, like people loved to whatever talk shit, say they didn't like it, all that. He did over 700 games for Hockey Night in Punjabi. That was his first time doing national play-by-play on an English broadcast. So if you didn't like his call, I'd say cut him some slack. Um, but I loved it. I loved seeing him get that chance. And if you listen to the real-life interview, you know what a beauty and a great guy Harn Ryan is. Uh, like you said, that Yamamoto call, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Dan, what do you think about Harn Ryan's uh, first English broadcast for Hockey Night Canada? It- it was it was awesome. It was it was a different flavor than we're used to. I think a lot of people were just thrown by the fact that they were kind of prepared for Jack Michaels' debut and and didn't get that. Uh, and then there's just people that are going to hate because they hate. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The Yamamoto call was fun. He had he had chops. Like he just yeah, he's a professional. And and it was awesome. It's awesome to see these first moments for these guys. Uh, you know, on the biggest stage, and and he nailed it. So, yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun to watch and listen to. Game two, we had Jack on the call. I've always been a Jack Michaels guy. I like the way he calls it. I like the way he describes it. I like his wordplay. I like his energy. For me, Jack Michaels is the kind of guy who, when he's calling a game, I get excited about things that aren't even happening yet because his voice goes up and down and up and down, and he's fired up. Rick, what do you think about Jack's first call on TV? I thought it was really good, actually. I know a lot of people get into it thinking that there's such a difference in calling a game on the radio as it is as, as TV, right? So you got to sell that a little bit more on the radio. That's why, you know, Ron Phillips did the exact same thing, the way he brought, you know, voice up and down. And I think Jack did a really good job of that. So there was some fear that he was going to bring that to television. But uh, I thought he did a really good job. I thought both guys did a, a bang-up job for their, you know, their first, I know it's not Jack's first ever, and yeah. you know, but in that stage, in that you know, with that spotlight going, on, I think they both did a really good job. They're totally different. And, like TV to radio yep. is just a totally different beast. You're a bit more in a box on a TV broadcast, whereas radio, it's more of just like a blank canvas and you can give her kind of thing. But there's definitely a lot more going on with TV. Dan, what do you think of well, Jack's first call last night? Yeah, Rick. Rick said it right there too. It, it wasn't Jack's first rodeo. Fox Sports, I believe it was, brought him in for a couple playoff games a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, and I, I checked that stuff. But it's definitely he definitely brought a different style to the TV than he does in radio. I, I find on radio he tends to do play by play and color at the same time, um, which I which I loved on the radio. Uh, but I was I, I liked that he was able to kind of throw to, to Louie and gave Louie his spots to, uh, to to fill us in with some color there as well. Uh, but yeah, Bag Milk, you're right. Jack's, Jack's energy is going to be something that, you know, I'll miss, uh, I'll miss Kevin Quinn's overtime call and that, and that kind of thing. But I think Oiler fans are going to, by the end of this month, just not want it any other way than Jack Michaels calling our games. Again, if you haven't listened to our interview with Jack on Real Life, 
go back and check that one out because what you'll hear in that interview, just like with Harn Ryan, is they put in the work. They put in the work to get there. And I was pumped for Jack. Um, really excited for him. And I think he's going to be great on the call. So I'm looking forward to him as well. Uh, looking at a couple of iTunes reviews, boys. Ooh. I sent you guys a fun little tidbit that I'm going to get to in a second here. You can get First, music I- on iTunes, by the way, just so you guys know. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that. In Apple Podcasts, right? It is not iTunes anymore, <laughs> unless you're still Rick's phone. Uh, this one comes in from Gump88. Does Bag Milk pull a Ron Burgundy? Five-star review. Love the podcast, guys, and all the Oilers chat. Now, not sure how you did an episode a week for 10 months with no hockey, but I'm glad you did. Uh, also, if it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? If it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe. If it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd be married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. That is from Gump88. That is a five-star review. Didn't nice somebody song. write in a, a, a text or something like to Gregor once? Because Gregor hates that song, right? And somebody wrote in a text, but just like the words and the, and the, what they chose of it, is he started reading it, and it's the actual line. It was <laughs> absolutely fucking hilarious. That's funny. Uh, Tyler, it's time to get your buttons ready because we are looking at the Epcor. Hot and cold performers of the week. Skating on frozen ponds is the Canadian way, but keeping each other safe by knowing the difference between a normal pond and a stormwater facility is also the Canadian way. Head on over to epcor.com forward slash winter safety to learn more about it and make sure that you and your family are staying safe this winter. Uh, As we do every day or every week, boys, we start with our veggies. It is time for the cold performance of the week. Dan is back in a house now. He's no longer in a car. So I'm starting with you, Dan, your Epcor cold performance of the week. Well, it's just going to be a a quick and easy one. We kind of talked about it earlier, but it's just the people that were ready to throw this team to the trash uh, after game one. You know, we just have to, as weather fans, I think we have to kind of make sure that we, I'm sorry about a breath because I just ran up the stairs, but uh, <laughs> we have to make sure that uh, we, uh, we we keep those people in check, kind of help them out and have them just uh, take a deep breath uh, and uh, and relax. So yeah, Oiler fans that were ready to throw this team after we went, we weren't going to go 56-0, and 0, uh, you're my cold performer of the week. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke is what it is. Tyler, you're up next on my screen. Your Epcor cold performer of the week. The Oilers jersey choice for their first two games. I get it. Interesting, want, isn't it? You want to wear the alternates once, sure. We didn't need the alternates twice. I don't like those jerseys. They want to wear them. They want to have something different in their arsenal of uniforms, sure. We don't need them twice to start the year. I'm not the biggest orange jersey guy, but I like them way more than the monstrosities that they rolled out for the first two games of the regular season. <laughs> Give us more orange. Fuck, bring, please bring back the royal blue at some point. Give us the reverse retros. I hate those jerseys. My cold performer, the Oilers jersey choices. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. <laughs> I love that one. Rick, you're up next. Your Epcor cold performer of the week. It's simply put the fact that I could not be in that building the last two nights, whether it be the first game or the second game, I don't care. Um, the fact that I couldn't be in there is 100% the cold performer of the, of, of the week. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 But I do, 
No! I, <laughs> I do really think I do really think that uh, you need to go in there with a full-on tape recorder and something like that because the. W- Looking at your face when you got to tell the stories of the exact chirps and shit that was going on out there, yeah. like this is this is Christmas morning for anybody. Like you guys, we all grew up massive hockey fans. Able to be in one of those seats and get to hear everything, right? Yeah. Like we have a great time. So yeah, you, I think you need to bring out the little uh, tape recorder and just let her sit on the uh, on your loge table there and then. And, bring up some some highlights i will say they do a pretty good job of keeping the pumped in crowd noise pretty high and like right when there's a whistle the music comes so like we don't hear it's hard to get a lot but it is funny to hear once in a while like a little chirp or something uh for my upcore cold performer of the week i'm gonna tag on to what rick said uh with no fans in the building i love what the oilers did for both john muckler and joey moss uh, ahead of game one. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking to me that we weren't being, we weren't able to be in the, in the, in the building to give Joey and John Buckler the ovation and the response that they deserve, because those two are obviously legends. Joey, everybody knows how much Joey means to this city. If you watched anything for Joey last night ahead of the game, I had onions being chopped and allergies flaring for 30 straight minutes. So just being unable to be there and give those guys the, the support they deserve. Fuck you, COVID, man. Honestly. We'll get our time. We'll have our chance. Soon. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Do I get a button? No, I don't have a good button for that. <laughs> okay. Flipping the ledger, we are going to our hot performers of the week. I'm going to start with Rick this time, your Epcor hot performer of the week. I'll toss out a few softballs to the rest of the team here, and I'm going to take my good friend number 13, Yessa Puliarvi. Um, not just this week, but for the whole, maybe last year, you know, and putting some of the blame on himself and needing to change and, and making the changes we need to. And then coming out in two games, not perfect in the first one, but definitely didn't get down on himself. Looked even better in the second one. And now he's got the entire city even though everyone said he was playing beer league hockey and whatever last year, he's got almost the entire city back on his side and pumping his tires and excited and ready for the rest of the year. So 100% Pooley RV is my uh, hot performer of the week. Put some respect on my name. Mr. Nation Dan, your Epcor hot performer of the week. Well, it's uh, Bagnoke, you already touched on it. I'm going to go off the ice for this one and then we'll get back to the players next week. But it's, uh, it's everybody that's been involved in all of the Joey Moss tributes, from the players wearing the Joey Moss jerseys before game one to the, the little video montage of photos that, that uh, they played before the game, and then Stephen Brunt and the team at Sportsnet that put together that, uh, that half-hour documentary. If you haven't had a chance to go watch that, it's called Anything for Joey. Absolutely amazing. Uh, you, can't, you can't fit all the stories that, uh, that Joey touched people with uh into one 30 minute uh episode i know gregor did a great great job of that on his uh his article there after joey's passing but but everybody involved with the joey moss memorial stuff it's just been absolutely amazing to watch uh inspired me to go ahead and try and get the high level bridge renamed the joey moss bridge but uh yeah everything around that joey moss stuff has been amazing great job to everybody there Tyler, your Epcor Hot Performer of the Week. I'm going to stick with the players on the ice, and I'm going to give mine to Kyler Yamamoto. I was a little bit nervous coming into this year that maybe we would see a step back. You know, he had only played really less than 40 games in the NHL before this year. Last year, everyone loved what we saw, but again, it was a short sample size. I was nervous that maybe the production wouldn't be there. 
I've been wrong through two games. Kyler Yamamoto works his ass off on the forecheck, forcing turnovers, and his finish is still there as well. Loving what I'm seeing from Kyler Yamamoto. He's a hot guy. Damn right he is. Yes, he certainly is. Uh, to wrap things up, my Epcor hot performer of the week, I'm actually going to do two because I'm hosting and I'm selfish. First of all, Nooch, I love you, buddy. Game one wasn't a great one for you. I wouldn't say you were awful, but I wouldn't say it was a great one. Night two, you bounce back, a couple of goals and assists. Keep Nuge forever. Let's get that contract extension signed. My second hot performer of the week is everybody who's donated to the Cash drive for the Edmonton yeah. Food Bank so far. I had a goal of, just to give a little background if you don't know what I'm doing, I didn't want to do Cast this year, but then on the Real Life podcast, we kind of, I've mined an idea that is a little bit better for the community. So if you want me to eat something weird after a loss, (laughs) what you need to do is make a donation to the Edmonton food bank and then send me a screenshot of your donation. From there, you can send me a DM about what you want me to go grocery shopping and buy. It does have to be people food. So I'm not going to be eating (laughs) pet food and stuff, but I'm open to doing whatever, provided that it's not going to make me sick, as long as you can prove that you made a donation to the Edmonton Food Bank. So my second hot performer of the week is to everybody that's got us up to 600 bucks so far. My goal for the year was $1,000, more than halfway there, and I got DMs from people that they're going to be making donations shortly as well. So for me, to everybody that made a donation so far and wants to watch me suffer on Instagram Live post-loss, I appreciate you, my hot performer of the week. Cash money. I've got one bag milk. I'm just actually trying to track down the thing that I want you to eat so I can supply it to you. Perfect. I'm ready. Uh, interested. Bag milk, before we wrap up this week's episode, I need to give an update on our owner's box pool that myself, mm-hmm. Nation Dan, Rick, and Josh Park are doing. We are around, uh, not quite at the halfway mark. I think we're around the one-third mark, and I am down by 11 points to Rick and the Danalytic crushing Josh Park by about 54. <laughs> but the scoring system... At uh, owner's box, it's you're never out of it. Leon Drysaddle's already no. racked up 36 fantasy points on owner's box through two games. So, Rick, I am only down by 11, but I am I gunning for you. You had a big second day there. After the first night, I was feeling pretty good. I had my feet up, and then I looked last night, and I was already fine. We'll have to get used to it. Yeah. Get ready for a battle. Shout out to the Maple Leafs in overtime for me. Yeah, no From kidding. From Tavares no. to Riley to the Fredrick Anderson. And you have, don't you have like the Zamboni driver? I think you have yep. who shovels like the front steps. <laughs> so you've got everybody in that roster. We are the Maple Leafs this week. <laughs> How dare you, Dan? How dare you? <laughs> he, cha- he changed. Next week. Not he so changed. much. Not so much. From everybody at Sherwood Ford, the Giants, skipthedishes.ca, Tourism Jasper, and Epcor. I want to thank you for listening to the second ranked hockey podcast in India. Let's go. There's a lot of people over there. Oh, yeah. We're number two. Number one on Apple Podcasts is Spittin' Chicklets. Number two is Oilers Nation Radio. We're coming for you. Who's who's, who's on our heels? It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Let's go. We don't look look in the rearview mirror. We're there so far back in the rearview mirror that number two is locked in, and we're coming for you, Spit and Chicklets. The people of India love our hockey podcast. That's why we're number two. Like so, Ryan Whitney breaking out of the defensive zone, we're coming for you, Spit and Chicklets. Very, very slowly in case of Ryan Whitney because he had bummed ankles. Anyway, for all of us, 
on Bag Milk, Nation Dan, Rick, Tyler, Ramchuk, the Zoilers Nation Radio, episode 120. Please tell your friends. Please submit reviews because I will Ron Burgundy them and I will read whatever from all of us. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy tomorrow's game against the Montreal Canadiens. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.